This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2016. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. You know, of course, you don't have to turn to every single scripture I give you. You've been coming long enough to know that. Uh, You can if you wish, but sometimes the time you find it, we're on to the next one, aren't we? God is all-powerful, almighty, all-seeing, all-knowing. His throne is in the heavens. The earth is his footstool. Scriptures speak of him as being majestic, wonderful, indescribable. He alone is immortal, who dwells in ineffable light. But among the many descriptions and characteristics of God in Scripture, I think there is one here that is very personal and practical for us as believers, and that is his faithfulness, which is to every generation. God is a faithful God. Dictionary definition is faithful is trustworthy, reliable, worthy of belief, staunch, loyal, dependable, upright, devoted, true, and many other adjectives. Revelation 1 and 5, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Revelation 3, 14, and to the angel of the church of the led to see and write, these things say the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Revelation 19, 11, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and he makes war. Much in this word is temporary, isn't it? Transient. Vows are made and broken. Promises are forgotten. Deals are reneged on. Contracts are violated. People fail. Friendships get fractured. Things come, things go. People come, people go. But in the midst of all of that, God remains faithful. There is a friend, the Bible says, who sticks closer even than a brother. You can count on God. That's the title tonight. You can count on God. On God. There's not many things in this life that you can count on. There's actually not many people in this life that you can truly count on because of our weaknesses and our humanity. But you can count on God. God is faithful in times of trouble. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. 
Paul writes 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. 1 Peter 4.19 Therefore let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. You can count on God. He's dependable. He's trustworthy. He's reliable. He's steadfast. He's upright. He's loyal. He's true. Hallelujah. No wonder Jeremiah wrote, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And say, David, but when you get through some stuff, maybe you don't feel that. Maybe you're saying, God, where are you? I can't feel you. I can't see you. I don't know what's happening. Well, in those times, God is still faithful, but sometimes he comes to you, maybe through a friend, maybe through that one who will put an arm around Maybe the one who will write a little note of encouragement. Maybe through that phone call just at the right time. Or even that tax message. Or that Facebook post. Or something. Something that tells you God has remembered me. He has not forgotten me. He's still faithful to me. You know, this morning we announced in I should have said it there a few moments ago in the announcements again because tomorrow's the last week uh, where Sarah has encouraged the woman to write a little note or buy a little light gift for Rachel, for Louise, for Claire, for our missionaries. He's out in the field. And I said this morning, sometimes that little action can mean so much, so much of an encouragement because out of sight, out of mind often. And it just reminds them that we're reminding ourselves about them. We're praying for them. We're thinking about them. Yes, we pray for them in our prayer meeting. We never feel. We pray in our home groups. We don't feel. But just sometimes a little practical thing can mean so much. God is faithful. God is faithful in forgiving our sins. Thank God he is. Where would we be tonight if he wasn't? Hebrews 2, 17, 18. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he was able to aid those who are tempted. Hebrews 4, 14, 16. Saying then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, whenever we blow it, and whenever we sin, 
And whenever we realize at that moment we feel estranged from God, we don't feel his presence, and we feel guilty, and maybe feel ashamed, at those times, if we only understood that we have a great high priest in the heavens who is so willing to receive us and forgive us, Hebrews 9.24, For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Isn't that lovely? Now to appear in the presence of God for us. He is our intercessor at the right hand of the Father. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Isn't it wonderful to think that he is actually praying for us? Continually. It's great when somebody says, I'm praying for you, brother, I'm praying for you, sister. But we have one who continually prays for us because he's our intercessor. Now, what all that is saying is we have a Savior who knows exactly what we go through. He's faced temptation by Satan himself, no less. He was tempted in body, in soul, in spirit, yet without sin. He faced the pressures and the stresses and the tensions of life. He knew what rejection felt like, the desertion of friends when they needed him the most, the persecution of his enemies. He hungered, he got tired, he thirsted, he had to find rest. He slept on a boat. He wasn't living in a bubble somewhere. He was the son of God, but he limited himself to human flesh. Remember that for 33 years, he wasn't even accepted by his own brothers and sisters. They did not believe he was who he claimed to be. It looks like Joseph, his stepfather, died early on in his life. And Jesus, being the, the eldest sibling, must have had to felt the the weight of taking on the responsibility of being the breadwinner, being the eldest, and yet knowing all the while that he was going to be the savior of the world. So no wonder he knows what we go through. He feels what we, the infirmities or weaknesses. He knows all about that. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Rosalind Goforth and her husband Jonathan were great missionaries in the past. Served God faithfully in China, did a remarkable work. You ought to read their story. But there was a time in Rosalind's life on the mission field when she didn't feel very spiritual. She felt guilty that she wasn't doing enough or being enough. And she went through a period where it was weighing on her so heavily. And so she decided that she would sit down and she would take out the Bible and she would take a sheet of paper and she would write on it and she would put these words at the top, what God does with our sin. And as she searched through the scriptures, this is the list that she compiled. Number one, he lays them on his son, Jesus Christ. 
Isaiah 53, 6. Two, Christ takes them away, John 1, 29. Three, they are removed an immeasurable distance as far as the east is from the west. You know, there's a north pole and a south pole, but there's not an east pole and a west pole. Sure there's not. You go west, you keep going and keep going, you'll always be going west. You go east, you keep going, keep going, you'll always be going east. Immeasurable in that sense. Psalm 123, 12, that was. Number four, when sought for, they are not found. Jeremiah 50, 20. Five, the Lord forgives them all. Ephesians 1, 7. He cleanses them all away by the blood of his son. 1 John 1, 7. He cleanses them white as snow as uh, white as snow or wool, Isaiah 1, 18. He abundantly pardons them. Isaiah 55, 7. He tramples them underfoot, Micah 7, 19, in the Revised Version. He remembers them no more, Hebrews 10, 17. He casts them behind his back, Isaiah 38, 17. He casts them into the depths of the sea, Micah 7, 19. He will not impute us with our sins, Romans 4, 8. He covers them, Romans 4, 7. He blots them out, Isaiah 43, 25. He blots them out as a thick cloud, Isaiah 44, 22. Number 17. He blots them out, even the proof against us, nailing it to his son's cross, Colossians 2, 14. <laughs> and she stopped there. She could have went on, but that was enough. She got the message. Her sins were forgiven and they were gone. Here's a little poem that Frank Stanton wrote. The rain beat on my window pane. I said, come in, O rain, O rain. Come in out of the dark, deep night and wash my soul and make it white. But the rain replied, for the soul that died, there is only one, the crucified. The wind beat on my window pane, and I said, Come in, O wind, O wind. Come in out of the wild stormy night and waft my soul to the realms of light. But the wind replied, For the soul that died, there is only one, the crucified. And then to E. Barton, I'll another verse to this. The blood beat on my window pane. I said, Come in, O blood, O blood. The blood came in from Calvary's night and washed my soul and made it white. And the blood replied, For the soul that died, I am thine own, the crucified. <laughs> Thank God he's faithful to forgive us. God is faithful when we trust him. Hebrews 11, 11, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Huh. What an incredible step of faith. What great trust because she promised, she believed him who was faithful. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. I will stand over my word to perform it, God said in Jeremiah 1 and 12. 
You can take my word for it because I will stand over it. I have the power to stand over it. I have the ability. I have the wherewithal to stand over my word to perform it. So you need not worry. All you've got to do is trust. In Hebrews chapter 3, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers, this is verse 1, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who is faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses was also faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Do you trust him today? He's faithful. Sometimes it's only when you look black over your life uh, and you, you think of events and moments and times of struggle or difficulty or confusion or anxiety or fear and you look back and somehow or other God was with you in it for no other reason than you trusted him. You didn't understand it. You couldn't figure it. You didn't know why it happened but you trusted him in spite of it. And often that's the thing that brings you through. D.L. Moody said, trust in yourself and you're doomed to disappointment. Trust in your friends and they will die and leave you. Trust in money and you may have it taken away from you. Trust in reputation and some slanderous tongue may ruin it, but trust in God and you will never be confounded in time or in eternity. Psalm 118, or is it Psalm 18? Somebody look at Psalm 18, somebody look at Psalm 118. Just to be absolutely sure. In verse 8. Let's see who gets the Mars bar for getting it first. Psalm 118, eight, Psalm 8, and 18. There it is. And which one was that? 118, verse 8. That's the middle verse of the entire Bible. Isn't that interesting? The very central verse in all of the Bible, God says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. God is faithful in her calling. Paul says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He further says in Thessalonians, he who called you is faithful who will also do it. <laughs> I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded you, that he is able 
to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. <laughs> Paul says, he that began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Over and over and over and over again, the scriptures declare the faithfulness of our God. Old Spurgeon, quoting David in 23rd Psalm, says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness, Spurgeon says, that takes care of my steps. And mercy, that takes care of my stumbles. Because <laughs> he's faithful. Call of God is not plain sailing. Call of God requires diligence, requires trust, requires patience, requires faith. But God is faithful. He is faithful in our calling. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Has God called you to do something? He's called us all to be something and truthfully has called us all to do something. Get your eyes of platforms. It's a very, very, very tiny part of the great call of God in so many people's lives. Most Christians will never step up onto a platform in front of a crowd. But that doesn't mean they're not called. It doesn't mean God is not something for them to do. Because they can go places and be places where no preacher can ever go to. And they can speak to people that no preacher will ever reach. God will be faithful to whatever he has called you to, to do and to be. God is faithful to his promises. 1 Kings 8, 56. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel According to all that he has promised, there has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. Not one single word. God honors his words. God takes his promises very seriously. His honor, his integrity, his credibility depends on his keeping of his word. God will not allow any man to call him a liar. In fact, let God be true and every man a liar. That's the high standard of our God. Why am I saying this? So that we'll have confidence in a good God. We'll have confidence to trust him. God is a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. See, we break our promises often not because we deliberately want to do it. Sometimes we make promises that we just can't keep. We don't have the wherewithal to do it. I don't know we shouldn't make it, but we do. We're human. But God's not like that. God makes a promise. He doesn't break it. Amen. Has God given you a promise? Stand on it. Write it down. Speak it out. Underline it. It's money in the bank. Peter called them exceedingly great and precious promises by which we become partakers of the divine nature. 
Why are they exceedingly great and precious? <laughs> he not only promises life, he promises abundant life. Not only promises joy, but fullness of joy. Not only promises peace, but perfect peace that passes all understanding. Not only promises grace, but special grace, manifold grace, Peter calls it, multifaceted grace, grace for every single thing in life that we need. Do you need food? Do you need clothing? Jesus says, do not, do not worry about it. Do I not feed the sparrows? <laughs> do I not grace the fields? So why do you take thought for these things? Even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. You need wisdom? He's given us the Proverbs. Forgiveness and restoration? We read the scriptures tonight. Do you lack assurance and confidence? Go to Christ. He'll give you assurance. He'll give you the confidence that you need. What promises are ours tonight in this book of books? And just when you need one the most, it can just light up to you and you can claim it as yours. Amen? God is faithful in supplying all our needs. I have been young, now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken and his seed bagging bread. If you take that literally, that's not just a promise for you, that's a promise for your children too. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. John Newton, that great hymn writer, said, Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such none can ever ask too much. <laughs> I don't know who wrote this, but somebody said, Yesterday did God yesterday God helped me, today he'll do the same. How long will this continue? Forever, praise his name. <laughs> Don't know who wrote this also. For love ever gives, forgives, outlives, and ever stands with open hands. And while it loves, it gives, for this is love's prerogative to give and give and give. <laughs> Annie Johnson Flint wrote these beautiful words. His love has no measure, his power no boundary known to men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. <laughs> I just read this today. We'll close here. A.T. Pearson, who was a very famous preacher in the 1800s. Whenever C.H. Spurgeon was ill, uh, Pearson, an American great Bible teacher, was called upon to go into the Metropolitan Tabernacle. He said, That which is most high is lifted up above all else. The lower down we are, the more perishable, the more perishable everything is. 
The grass under your foot in the summer is one of the frailest things in nature. It grows and blooms today, it withers and decays tomorrow. You ascend a little higher, you find the trees that not only last for a season, but many seasons, till you come to the great, those great redwood trees, the giant redwoods in California forests. They have been standing for 3,000 or 3,500 years, but even these decay and fall by and by. You rise above the level of the trees and you come to the hills that last for ages, though they are worn away by rains and snows and are shaken by storms and upheaved by earthquakes until sometimes they disappear altogether as hills and become the beds of lakes. You mount still above the hills and there are what we call in the Bible the everlasting mountains that have stood ever since the world began. You soar above the mountains and you come to the planets that are constantly changing their places in the sky as they move around the sun in their annual journeys. And far above the planets stand the fixed stars that never have changed their place since time began. So you see, the further up you go, the nearer you come to that which does not change. And beyond all of these is he who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the unchanging God and the unchanging friend of his people. <laughs> and all of those scriptures we read together tonight is at least 12 times God is called faithful. If you take a Bible concordance out and see them many times, you'll find the word faithful relating to God. Over and over again, the Holy Spirit is telling us, hey, you can count on God. He is faithful. He will not let you down. He will not forsake you. He will always be with you. Even in the hard times when you don't feel him, he's still there. And he'll see you through. Glory to God. Could we just stand a moment, please? Clifford, I'm going to ask you to do one thing tonight after we pray here. That new song that you sang there, I'm going to ask you just to sing it just a couple of times in closing. But we're going to pray. Some of you have gone through, gone through some stuff. Life throws stuff at us, doesn't it? but we don't want the stuff to stick. <laughs> Trust you got your shield of faith up for those fiery darts. But the Spirit of God wants you to know tonight that he's faithful and you can trust him. You can count on him. So whatever you're going through, whatever you're feeling Luther said, feelings come, feelings go, but feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God, not else is worth believing because it doesn't change. He's still faithful whether you feel it or not. But when you believe it, you're going to get through better. Hallelujah. We're going to pray. Lord, we stand in your presence, in the presence of of a faithful, eternal God. One who's faithful to every generation. So Lord, tonight, we put our trust in your faithfulness. Not in our feelings, not in man, not in circumstances, 
Not what we can see with the natural eye, but what we know about you, your faithfulness. Lord, I pray for every man and woman in this house tonight. I pray that your presence, that your strength, that your grace, that your faithfulness will touch their hearts tonight. And Lord, it will leave this building knowing that they belong to a faithful God. And he will never let them fall because he's holding them in his everlasting arms. So we bless you tonight. We give you thanks, Lord, and we praise and we honor you for who you are. And we thank you for everything you've done for us and all that you will do in the future. We put ourselves into your trustworthy hands tonight and we're going to believe for greater and bigger and brighter days. Thank you, Lord, for this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information www.mpc.org.uk